0: day 454 of the lockdown we're still in a state of disaster it seems to be getting worse not better there's a tsunami bearing down on us in kauteng and the province's largest hospital remains uh, shut due to internal political wrangling over budgets it really is enough to send you over the edge with the brand father jeremy sampson md of brand finance africa jeremy uh, can you stomach it all
1: hello michael good to have you back it's unbelievable, isn't it? When you when you look at what's going on, you read the papers, you listen to the news, you watch television, where are the government's priorities? You know, here we are in the, the middle of one of the worst pandemics probably South Africa's ever experienced, and I believe the largest hospital in the land, in Johannesburg, the Old Gen, is still closed, and how many months is that? And then we hear that one of the hold-ups is a lack of fire doors and things like that. You know, the mind boggles. Um, and then when we have the argument about um, should be we be vaccinating over the weekend, and then arguments about the Cuban doctors are being kept on for another year or something. And then we hear that other doctors, local doctors, um, aren't given work because there isn't money for them. You know, there are so many things going on at the moment that the mind boggles. I think there are some people in charge of things you know, who are actually certified. it'd be better if they were put away
0: somewhere (laughs) well we wish we could put away probably half of the cabinet trim it down now is the time (laughs) mr president to do your cabinet reshuffle we've got an acting health minister in the middle as you said of the worst pandemic this country has ever faced and listening to what uh, premier david mccura was saying this afternoon i mean he bumbled along for lord knows how long he'd be great at filibustering but i learned nothing new and based on the premier's comments and what he was saying it really is no surprise that Karting is in the spot where we seem wholly ill-prepared for the third wave.
1: Well, if someone like David Makura was chief executive of a company quoted on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, everyone would be fleeing for the doors and selling the shares because that tells you what sort of competence is at the top of the organization. And this is sadly another case where we have uh, the ANT cadres, you know, put into top positions. They're Mr. Reliable, whatever. And what are they doing? They're actually destroying the country. When you actually look at the Auditor General and uh, all the municipalities, when you look at Clover actually closing down, you look at what Astra Chickens is having to do just to keep going. Mm. Look at what the mines are having to do themselves just to keep going. No, it's endless. And you could add to this list much more than
0: I can. Well, it was the finance minister, Jeremy, this week, who tweeted that the state of collapse at local government level is having uh, an outsized impact on farmers and agriculture. We know uh, the finance minister lives out in Mkhubusklof, and he loves tweeting his meals that he cooks out there, and he loves talking about avo farms, and he he really has a a passion for uh, agricultural South Africa. But the problem is, he's entirely correct. He did then uh, tweet afterwards to say that collapse is maybe a strong word. Now, I was away last week driving through small towns to get to the Kruger National Park and I can fully concur in parts of the country. The roads are falling apart, uh, you know, shops are boarded up and you can just see the decay and the decline. And it's at that local government level, that business, that citizens interface. We do have a local government election coming up and, uh, yeah, we know you get the government that uh, you vote for. Uh, We just hope that uh, the electorate, starting to wake up to what is quite clearly a government that is incapable of administering at local level. Yet, we do have an alternative. And uh, while I, I'm I'm no fan of, of the DA, they've done a fantastic job down in the Western Cape.
1: Well, absolutely. And do you hear of all the people who are actually now actually moving with their feet and, and moving down to the Western Cape simply because they've had enough of the incompetency uh, around us and the rest of the country. You know, our taxes, our rates are going up and up and up all the time. And what's happening? It looks like the top officials are buying themselves new cars. Money's being siphoned off, and we're hearing it's being siphoned off. What did the Auditor General say? 5.5 billion. Then one sees other figures. But again, no, no consequences. And who's losing out? It's the man in the street. And it's the people, the poorer people, who are struggling the most. But then people like you and I, which pay our taxes, we're being bled dry. uh, And we're not getting any uh, Mm. service delivery. And, you know, that's nonsense. There's going to be a time when I'm afraid people are going to say enough and rise up. Um, And they're doing that in parts of the country already.
0: Let's just talk about that in the context of Transnet, uh, and we had this news this week of finally uh, corporatising the Ports Authority, uh, and it goes back to a structure that has been used in the past. But my question is, how can a board of a, a subsidiary with a balance sheet of that subsidiary is completely consolidated into the holding company to avoid any debt problems be truly independent because under the companies act the subsidiary has a duty to many stakeholders including its own PFMA mandate uh, but these include that of its shareholders that being the holdco in this instance Transnet. so something to me doesn't quite add up about um, making this body independent.
1: Well, no, and I totally agree with you again. Because, uh, I was trying to think, it must be about 15 years ago that the ports was called the National Ports Authority. In fact, Mr. Seabonga Gama, you know him, he was the CEO of it. And it was running very, very efficiently. And then there was a, another section as well, and I can't remember what it was called. It might have been Portnet. But just, this is deck chairs on the, the deck of the Titanic. You know, having another board, having another board that will draw salaries and expenses and have perks as a result of being board members now let's cut through the nonsense here let's put in some professional logistics people or better still go to top ports around the world like Amsterdam whatever whoever runs them say come on Get involved here. No, take a 49%, 50% share, whatever, and let's get this thing buzzing.
0: And speaking of Transnet, uh, the, the, the railways as well. There was an interesting article by Transnet's GM for Group Corporate Affairs, a Yandere Shaysi, in the business day yesterday, uh, becrying the devastating effects of theft and vandalism. And we've seen the pictures. They've been shared all over social media of train stations being uh, stripped to the very bare bone, and uh, a great letter by I think it was Keith Gottschalk. I, I can't remember exactly, but he was saying that uh, at one stage we had 16,000 members of the South African Railway Police until P. W. Bertha abolished them back in 1986. Currently, Transnet has uh, around 3,000 guards, uh, another 3,000 outsourced. But we need to get back to that kind of number. We we need to look after our infrastructure and, and use new technology. We've got drones. We've we've got other technology cameras against these copper criminals.
1: And sadly, a lot of it is already too late. Some of those pictures that I've seen, things have been totally, utterly destroyed. where there were railway lines, they've all been ripped up. It's just uh, a fence with um, bare earth between the fencing. Um, And this is what worries me that wherever there is neglect, wherever there is a lack of um, policing or security, uh, things disappear. This is where, uh, I hate to say it, but how is the hospital now that we were talking about earlier, Um, when it opens up, what's been going on there? Has there been security? Has it been looked after? Because, you know, the rule of thumb sadly with the current authorities is when it's uh, closed down it's left alone, it's left neglected and the lads move in fast
0: well, let's talk about someone who, who certainly bucked that trend in South Africa, the late Jabu Mabuza. And I'm going to be hosting Sipo Maseko, uh, Busi Mavuso, and uh, Bonong Mahali next week as we reflect on the legacy that uh, Jabu leaves behind. A man who wore many hats, uh, again, both figuratively and literally. And I had the, the real pleasure of first meeting him on a book project that I worked on with David Gleeson. Uh, what really struck me about his story was was this sense of determination to lift himself up by his bootstraps and his selflessness. He he was studying uh, and in university, left university to uh, continue his taxi business to ensure that he could fund his sister's studies through university, putting, putting his sister ahead of his own ambitions. And that was the kind of man that Jabu Mabuza was, someone you could rely on, someone you could work with.
1: Yes, and uh, I also had the privilege of working with him when he was CEO of Sergio's Son, and had one-on-ones with him, not many, but enough to get an inkling of what the man was like and doing a presentation to him and his board, uh, standing room only. And, you know, you do the presentation and before the debate can begin, he turns around to everyone in the room and says, well, we've just had some top consultants telling us what we should do. I think we should listen to them. And he stood up and walked out, just nodding very nicely to me as he went. No, a first-rate person. And interesting, as you say, his background coming from the taxi business. But then I think it was Maya Khan at SA Burry's took him under his wing and helped him and nurtured him. And now I come back to the early Mandela days when you had this mentoring going on where you had top white businessmen nurturing and mentoring top prospects from the black community and that made a huge difference. Now we need that again I would argue and there are a lot of top white people who'd be very happy to be a number two or number three but staying in the shadows perhaps but helping and guiding and if they're listened to being a knowledge and I think that would make a huge difference for the benefit of everyone.
0: I think it's a great suggestion, Jeremy. As uh, as we conclude, I think episode 193. I think you pointed out to me this morning. We've got something like 192 episodes of the Brandfather under the belt, and I think you know each and every one has been an absolute highlight for me. So I just want to thank you. But this is not goodbye. Thankfully, uh, we're going to say see you next Thursday on uh, Hot Business. It's just uh, a little later in the evening at uh, 10 to 7, and just a little bit shorter. But I think uh, what do they say that the secret of change is? To to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old but on building the new. So Jeremy, thank you for for 193 episodes of the Brandfather.
1: And thank you Michael, it's been a privilege working with you and I look forward to the new the new way of doing things. Perhaps we'll have to speak a little bit faster.
0: <laughs> Jeremy Samson, the Brandfather with the, the Brands and Sense as always here for the last time on Classic Business.